Hello, do you have anxiety? Are you on the spectrum and not sure what to do about it? Well, come along and listen to me as I talk with Alec Baines of Anxiously Yours Podcast. As we get to know him a little bit better, find out how he manages his anxiety and deals with his own ASD at the same time. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Asperger Studios Presents Stories. Today, I'm joined with Alec Baines from Anxiously Yours Podcast. Welcome to the show, Alec. Hey, how's it going? I am fine. First, let's get a little bit about yourself. Why don't you give everyone a little bit of your background? Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, my name is Alec Baines. I'm 25 years old. I have a podcast called Anxiously Okay, which is also on the Mental Health News Radio Network. Um, I graduated from college when I was 21. Um and around that time frame, uh, my anxiety kind of ramped up really big. And um, that's around the time when I finally started to decide to go to therapy and be open about my anxiety and my Asperger's syndrome. I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was nine years old, but I did not find out until I was 14. So there was a five-year gap between me being diagnosed and me learning about it. And so, um, you know, at first it was difficult to kind of, you know, understand that and realize that. But then as time went on, especially when I was dealing with my anxiety, it became easier for me to kind of accept that part of me. And um, yeah, that's the that's the gist of basically who I am. Right. How did you deal with your anxiety when you were in um, college? Um, so when I was in college, I unfortunately, I kind of just ignored it through college. Like I, you know, growing up, I thought I was the only person who dealt with it. I thought I was the only person who, you know, I thought nobody else was like me and no one else dealt with the same things I dealt with. No one had the same symptoms as me, um, which was a very unhealthy way to think. And I went through the first three years of college and then well, three and a half years. And then I was about to do my last semester and my anxiety was at the worst point in my life to the point where I was suicidal. And that's when I made it. That's when I made the call, like, okay, I need to do something about this. And so I started going to therapy and that is basically how my life turned around. And so the last, I, I graduated one semester late. So it took me four and a half years. And the last two semesters, they were a little bit tough still. Like there were some, you know, points here and there where my anxiety ramped up, but it wasn't as severe as that. So, um, but I got through it though. I graduated in 2018. So congratulations. That. Thank you. Now, did your autism like affect you during your classes? Did you, first of all, do you have ADHD as well? I do not have ADHD. No. All right. So you were able to focus on your classes and everything better yeah. than most of us who have ADHD along with ASD. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was able to focus, but as far as like, you know, did it affect my classes? Um, actually the way that we determined that, okay, maybe he's autistic was my reading comprehension was very low, like very low. I could read the words on a page, but I couldn't understand the meaning. I couldn't connect with the characters in a story. Mm. Um, and that took a long time for me to finally start learning. I 
it was probably high school when I finally realized, oh, I get it now. So, you know, this was elementary school when, um, you know, they were like, okay, so his reading comprehension is really low, his social skills, he doesn't, doesn't really have a ton of them. Those have improved over time as well. But um, yeah, it did affect me. It did affect my reading comprehension. My math was really good and stuff like science and stuff was fine, but reading was really that was a struggle for me. And that's how they determined, okay, he probably is autistic. And turns out I do, turns out I am. Yeah. When you were in college, did you have help? Did you have like a disability advisor or, or did you, you just know, do everything on yeah. your own? I, I, you know, I just did it on my own. I've never had a disability advisor. Um, that was something that I think my mom, because my mom took me to get, you know, tested for autism. Okay. And when she was talking to the person there who was testing me, I think she like recommended that or something, but my mom was like, well, I don't want to do that. Cause I still want him to feel, I don't want him to feel different. But the thing <laughs> is, is yeah, uh, something along those lines, like, you know, I don't want him to, I want him to still feel like, you know, he's, you know, I don't, I don't, basically that was the gist of it. You know, that's just the gist of it. She didn't want me to feel kind of out of place or anything. And so, um, I, uh, you know, in hindsight, I probably would disagree with that. But to be honest, I went through most of it on my own. And for the most part, it was fine, but I was never going to finish. Like, for example, mm -hmm. college, I was never going to finish without getting some help, like therapy and everything like that. But as far as like having an advisor or anything for classes, nah, never, never had anything like that. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, when I went for my master's in England for I had a disability advisors and academic advisors. The only person that was helpful was my disability advisor. My academic advisor couldn't right. even help me with class-wise, like choosing what to write for my dissertation or anything. I never used right. them. So I was even on my, I was on my own for class. Mm -hmm. Now, when you took your exams, did you have the issue where you're sitting down on an on-time test and you just felt so anxious because everyone else around you was finishing before you and you just um, felt like you gotta finish first? Yeah, you know, I've never I've never had that where it's like I gotta be the first one to finish, but it not really so much in college or anything like that, but I definitely there was a class in high school where I felt that where kids were finishing their tests and I'm just like, I don't understand any of this material. Like, I don't understand how they're doing this. Like, it was that kind of thing where it was just yeah. like, I don't understand how they're doing this and I don't understand why I can't do this. So there was definitely that. But, um, you know, it, I was never like, you know, rushing to try to be the first or anything like that. Um, but I mean, sometimes it happened. Sometimes I was the first to finish, but you know, there was, yeah, one class I took world history in high school, AP world history. So it was college class in high school. And so that was really tough for me because it was a lot of reading. And that was around the time when I started to pick up on kind of how to read where it's like, oh, you know, it's not just like reading the words or anything like that. It's literally, it's not just memorizing facts. It's like, do you get the gist of what happened in history? That's sort of, that was sort of the idea. But I didn't understand that at first. So I was like, I don't understand how these I don't understand how everybody else gets this. And I don't. So there were points like that. But um, in, in college, not a whole lot of that. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know when I was in grammar school is when I had my toughest. Mm -hmm. It was like grammar school, high school. I struggled and we right. didn't know anything about my autism until I was 20. Right. And it was like all through high school and, and grammar school is like, why is he different than everyone else? Why is he slower than everyone else? Mm -hmm. And in, it wasn't until my late twenties 
family members who are psychiatrists and stuff said, you know, maybe he's on the spectrum. Right. Because he's got those symptoms. He's got those yeah. traits. And it's like a light bulb went off in my head. Yeah. And my parents yeah. said too. Mm-hmm. When you were diagnosed, what was the first thing that went through your head? So, well, I mentioned before that I was diagnosed when I was nine, but I didn't know about it until I was 14. I, I was not told that wow. I, yeah, I was not told. So I went, it was about five years and then, um, which this is true. And I've said this on my podcast as well, but I, I overheard that I had it. I didn't find out. I didn't ask, or like, I didn't ask about it. I overheard my mom talking about it. And so she was talking with another parent cause I was in marching band in high school. And that's also what helped me with like some social anxiety. Um, but I was in marching band in high school and she was talking to another parent and my, I heard my name come up and they were talking about how I was on the spectrum and all that. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And so then I had to tell her, I'm like, what were you, what were you talking about? So I don't even know when she was planning to tell me. That's the thing. I don't know when she was planning to tell me. I found out. Yeah. I mean, that is interesting. Have you ever wondered if your parents were ever going to tell you? I think I, I honestly, I don't know. That's not something I think about because that's just not how it happened. I just, I ended up overhearing it. So maybe I would have, maybe they would have told me, or maybe I would have learned about it in school and I would have been like, wait a minute, this sounds like me. And then I would have talked to my mom about it or something, but yeah, I, I don't know what the plan was initially. So, all right, let's get, now let's get to know you a bit more. Sure. Where did you grow up? Uh, so I was born in Illinois, but currently I am in Tennessee so I've been here since I was three. So I've been here about 22 years. All right. Um, what motivates you, inspires you, and drives you? Um, so when I do something and, or, you know, when I'm kind of just doing my thing, or if I do something that people say, hey, great job, or, hey, you're really good at that, or, you know, hey, like you, you know, that sort of inspires me to kind of keep going with that and to push myself there because I, I do like to do what I, you know, if I'm good at something, I do like to kind of explore that. And, you know, I do like when people encourage me to kind of keep going at that. So yeah, I'd say that that inspires me. All right. What's your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience? (laughs) Biggest failure. Um, Oh man, that's tough. I, I will say that, um, this isn't a, a, a soul failure. This is more of like a group failure, but I was a part of this where mm-hmm. um, my senior year of high school, when I was in marching band, we did not make finals in like the big competition that we kind of like prep for. We didn't make finals. But the thing is, is that, you know, of course, you know, some people were, you know, in tears, they were upset. They were, you know, just that kind of thing. But for me, it was like, you know, I spent four years or four years, I spent four months kind of working at this because every year is, you know, a different show, a different thing. So this year was four months of straight work. And it's like, you know, four months. And I, kind, you know, I, yeah, I did feel like it, it didn't matter. But at the same time, it's like, but, you know, I enjoyed myself and I pushed myself as far as I could, you know, so even though you can still fail very hard, you can have the biggest failure of your life, but there's always something to gain from that. And there's always something to think about. There's always some kind of silver lining where, yeah, you might have failed miserably, but you know, it's, it, it doesn't end you, I guess is what I learned from that. 
So you basically almost took that experience personally. A, a little bit. Yeah. It was almost like, you know, like, yeah, as a group, like, yeah, we failed. And I was, I contributed to it. I was part of that group and we did fail. But at the same time, it's like, but let's look at some things that did go okay. Let's, you know, try to, again, find that silver lining. And there were things that I'm like, yeah, you know, I still enjoyed spending time with these people. And I still, you know, I, I, I did what I could. The last performance that we had, our only chance to go to finals, I did what I could. And I can, you know, I can move forward being content with that. That's, I mean, that's brave of you to say that you can take that experience and just move forward from it. Cause I know a Mm -hmm. lot of people who will take that and just feel like I can't go forward because I feel like I failed myself. Right. And I, I I felt that way at at various points, but as far as like something huge or like something I spent a lot of time on, like, yeah, that that's something where it's like, you gotta, you know, you gotta be able to move forward. That's just, that's just, it's tough to do, but yeah. All right. Tell me about three people who three influential people in your life that have influenced you and impacted you. Um, so definitely, definitely my mom. Um, my mom is, she is, you know, there, of course there's been times where we kind of have had disagreements about stuff, but you know, she's somebody I can definitely look to for, you know, guidance or if I need help with something, or if I just need to talk or vent about something, like she'll at least listen. She might not understand it, but she'll listen. Um, I, I want to say, um, gosh, let me think. Well, I, I, I am kind of cheating a little bit, but I've had three different therapists throughout my life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm currently, so the, the one I'm seeing currently is number three. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I want to actually specifically point out my second therapist who, um, the only reason he's my second is cause he retired. And so, ah. um, but the thing is, is that he really helped me accept my anxiety. It was, he really helped me accept, um, that my anxiety was okay to have, you know, my first therapist helped me be kind of, kind of become aware of it and everything. But my second therapist, he really helped me be, um, you know, he he helped me accept it all and be like, that's okay. There's nothing, there's no shame in anything you think about. There's no, there's nothing wrong with the way you think or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's okay. And, um, a third person, I don't know. I guess, I guess I can say God because that's just, you know, every, I, I will admit I'm not a gigantic religious person or anything like that, but, um, just no, just, when I look back on all the things I have accomplished, despite my anxiety, despite my Asperger's slash autism, like that's, you know, it's, I, that isn't, I think about it and I'm like, that shouldn't be me, but it is. And I, I do think God is just kind of that. That's, that's the way that's that those, those are the motions. So yeah, th- th- that'd be my answer. All right. So what makes you feel like, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Um, well, I mentioned that like, if I, you know, if I, if I try something or if I like doing something and people see that and they really, they, you know, they encourage me. I, I think that's something is when people are encouraging that kind of gives me inspiration and kind of wants to make me perform or, you know, kind of push myself more. Um, and feeling like my best self, I would say, um, I don't know, just when I'm content, in life, I guess, you know, when I'm just, I'm just content, I'm relaxed. Um, you know, nothing, nothing 
insane's going on. I'm not worried about anything. That's just, you know, kind of a vague answer, but that's, that's just my answer. It's when I'm content, when I'm not worried, that's when I feel like I'm at my best. All right. Finish the sentence. I'm at my best when. Uh, let's see. I'm at my best. I'm at my best when I'm content. All right. Yeah. Now, if you can turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell him about what you know now about your diagnosis? I would tell my 18 year old self to open up and go see a therapist. (laughs) That's what I would say. (laughs) Open up and go see a therapist. Go talk about this. Like I kept it in. I I bottled Uh, it all up for so long. If I could go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. When you keep it in, it's like you just you don't know what's wrong with yourself until right. I mean, it's like I mean, not to bring it back to myself, but it's like no, it's okay. My mom and once I lost my father and everything, my mom is like, "You need to talk to someone. You need to talk to someone." And I'm like, "I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. I'll talk with friends." Right. And I really like your friends aren't the same thing as talking to someone professionally. Yeah. But she's like, "Find somebody." And I'm like. Who and then finally I'm like, you know what? If I'm gonna talk to someone, it's gonna be someone who understands autism. Yes. And yeah. I found a life coach service mm-hmm. that is does that and they have she's got people all over the US and I'll give you their link too if you ever wanna sure. turn up with them because they're really good. That's that's good though. That's good yeah. that you did that. Yeah. All right. Um if you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? A billboard would be something, basically something along the lines of, you know, it's okay to talk about your anxiety or, you know, open up about it. Just that some kind of message like that, just something that, you know, encourages people to open up about their anxiety or really, I mean, of course, for me, it's specific to anxiety because that's the big thing I deal with. But like, of course, you know, like any sort of like mental health thing, like be open about that. So yeah, I put that on a billboard. All right. What do you think the world will look like in five years from now? Let's see, 2026. Well, hopefully the whole COVID situation will be cleared up because that that took a toll on me last year for a little bit where I was like, I don't know what the world's looking like right now. I don't know what to, you know, that kind of thing. So hopefully we won't have to worry about that in five years. Um, I, I don't think about five years from now for me personally, because I try to just focus, I, I am doing a lot better job of just trying to focus on the present and focus on what I have to do now. But um, hopefully in five years, more people are open about their mental health. That's my hope is that hopefully more people are open about their mental health. Hopefully we can kind of reduce the stigma behind it. Um, That would be my answer. Hopefully in five years, more people are open about mental health. All right. What was your favorite subject in school? Um, It was math until college and then in college my writing actually got better and so i really liked writing and like english stuff like that so yeah math up until college and then it was writing what would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert <laughs> i'm an introvert by far i am not i i like to keep to myself i might have spurts of extrovert here and there but 99 percent of the time introvert all right if you could be remembered for one thing what would it be and why Um, the one thing I want people to remember is that I talked about my mental health. That's, that's the one thing is that because my, my family, you know, once I, once I finally opened up about my mental health, they finally, 
they're like, okay, I don't under, they maybe not understood it, but it's like, okay, but I get what you're dealing with now. And I like, all of this is starting to make sense. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't open up about it. So the one thing is that I opened up about my mental health and I'm still here today because of that. All right. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you started your podcast? Yeah. Um, so a few different reasons. The first, the the way I, so I was doing research on like, are there mental health, like radio stations or networks, that kind of thing. I was kind of doing research on that randomly. And I came across the mental health news radio network. And so I was just kind of skimming through it. And I saw that you could be either a guest on a show or a podcast, or you could have your own show. And so I started thinking to myself, so actually let me back up a second. So after I saw the website and everything, I went to my my, my therapist, who was my second at the time. And I told him about that. And he kind of put two and two together. He's like, you know, that would be good for you because he also said, which I get this a lot where people compliment my voice. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like, okay, well, if people, cause you know, there's this, it's a very common thing for people not to like the sound of their own voice, which, you know, it's still true for me, but if other people like it, I feel like I could use that to talk about something I care about. And I do care about mental health. And I noticed that a lot of the, like, if you go on the website, a lot of them who have podcasts are like, you know, physicians or doctors or therapists, that kind of thing, but I'm not any of those. And so I started thinking, okay, what if I do a podcast, but this isn't from a, this is not a perspective of a doctor or a therapist. This is somebody who's living with this. That was sort of my idea was mm-hmm. let's try a podcast where I talk about my experiences. I'm not, you know, I'm not really ashamed to talk about them and Hey, I can be specific about them. And if people resonate with that, then I'm doing my job. So that's sort of how that all started. And so, um, yeah, I, the podcast started at the beginning of this year. So, uh, it's been going about nine months and it's going well. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Now we get to some more fun questions around here. All righty. What is your favorite word? Favorite word. Um, I, I say what a lot. I noticed that I just kind of, I'll just say what a lot, but I guess I also say, I mean, this is technically two words, but I say, you know, a lot. I do notice I say that a lot. Um, so yeah, either what, or, you know, so right, yeah. what's your least favorite word, uh, least favorite word. I, you know, there's, there's not any words that make me cringe or anything, but recently I, this happened a few months ago. Um, I haven't told the story, but it's kind of funny. So uh, the word solder, which is spelled S O L D E R. I said that as solder for the longest time, but then my mom and my sister was like, no, it's solder. I'm like, it's solder. I'm like, why is the, why is there an L there? Like, I didn't understand it. I'm just like, why is there a silent L there? So that's, I, it's my least favorite. Cause I just don't understand it. <laughs> like, why not just put two D's? So yeah. that's my least favorite word. <laughs> what turned you on creatively, spiritually, and emotionally? Um, I think, um, I, I think encouragement kind of does that. Um, like, I mean, encouragement from others kind of, um, will make me be, it, it definitely helps with my creativity. It helps me emotionally kind of, you know, it, it lets me be okay emotionally to kind of have encouragement from people, but also just like positivity. I like seeing positivity. It's, I admit I'm not the most positive person in the world, but like when some people are super positive, despite some of the, you know, some of the crap that happens in this world, like mm-hmm. that kind of inspires me and that kind of helps me 
you know, that, and it also kind of helps with my creativity as well. Cause I'm just like, man, you know, I should, I want to be like that, you know, and I want to try to find ways to be like that. So I, I guess encouragement and positivity for sure. All right. What turned you off? Um, in general, just if, you know, rudeness and like negativity and just people who think that the world's going to explode any second, I'm just like, yeah, I, <laughs> that just, to me, it's just like, I, I don't like that. And it kind of puts a damper on me. Like, I just don't like when people are just, especially rudeness, like when people aren't encouraging, they just are, they're so dismissiveness is another thing when people are just dismissive, like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Like that's, I, I don't like that either. That turns me off. All right. What's your favorite cuss word? <laughs> um, if anyone's only listened to my podcast, this is going to be a first for the for this. They haven't heard me swear, but I don't know. Probably shit. <laughs> probably that. All right. What no? What sound or noise do you love? Um. Recently, I really like listening to just outside noises. Like I like listening to, you know, like birds or I like going, you know, I go to a park. I've been going to a park recently that has like a lake and um, I like, you know, just listening to kind of that. It, it sounds, I mean, it's an outside noise, but it's also just peaceful and you can hear like deer running around. I really like that. It's really comforting. Um but also like, I mean, I listen to a lot of music too. So stuff like, you know, classical music, metal music, which is a weird mix, but I like stuff like that. So uh, that's stuff I like. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, if it's a really loud noise that I just wasn't expecting, I don't like that because I, I don't mind loud noises, but if I know it's coming, then I can be like, okay, I know it's coming. But if it's like, if, if I heard a giant explosion, I wouldn't like that because it's just out of nowhere. Um, another thing is I, I don't like the sound of like the generic alarm ring sound on an iPhone. Like I have an iPhone. I don't like the sound of it. I know I have to, if I have to set an alarm, I'll do it, but I just don't like the sound of it. It's annoying. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite color? Um, I, I really like gray. Gray is definitely my favorite. No particular reason. I just, I just like gray. And what's your least favorite color? I, I guess pink. I don't hate pink, but as far as like least favorite, yeah, pink. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. Um, I think it, I, I, I would attempt to do like therapy or something like be a therapist, maybe, um, don't know. I mean, again, this is just if I could try one just randomly, I would I would try that at least see what it's like. All right. What profession would you not like to do? <laughs> um, I anything that's like, you know, like business or like corporate or something high level like that. I'm like, I that I have no interest in that. I'm not you know, I, I that's just I don't have an interest in that. So something like that I would not want to do. All right. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? If he could say anything along the lines of, you know, no more anxiety, no more, you don't have to be anxious anymore. That kind of anything like that, I would, I'd be in tears. I would love that. So, yeah. All right. When you arrive at heaven, who would you like to meet? Um, any, any family, like whenever I die, you know, any family that died before me, I would, I would like to see them. Um, maybe even like, you know, it'd be cool to see like, you know, some like historical figures or some celebrities, whoever that I admired, like, for example, like any presidents I might have admired, like example, you know, Abraham Lincoln is my favorite president. If he's in heaven, I'm like, it'd be cool to meet him. Like, I, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. All right. What books would you recommend to the audience to read? 
So I don't read a ton of books, but there is one book I read in college that I actually really liked. And maybe this is because I read this as I was going to therapy for the first year. Um, I started going in 2018 and this is around the time where I read a book. I read a book called Moth Smoke. And let me, I can't remember the author's name, but essentially Moth Smoke is about, okay, it's Moth Smoke by uh, Mohsin Hamid. And that book is about a guy who he basically he he he's very poor he had he has a friend who's very wealthy and his friend is engaged to somebody who's also like very wealthy and the woman and the main character start to have an affair but the thing is is that he's also like you know he does a lot of like drugs and stuff he's in a really just really like bad stuff essentially and so the whole story is kind of this idea of even though he might have the woman of his dreams, even though he might, you know, have friends who are wealthy and everything, and maybe he is getting some money, maybe he is doing a bunch of drugs and stuff, but that doesn't make him happy. So that's something that really resonated with me because I was dealing with the concept of happiness. And so that book is something I'd recommend is moth smoke. That's a good All one. Right. And finally, where can people find you on the web? Um, so I, so for my podcast, I have a Twitter at anxiously underscore okay. My podcast name is anxiously okay. You can find it pretty much anywhere that has a podcast. Like I know it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher, a bunch of places. If you just search for it, you might find it. Um, of course, I am on the Mental Health News Radio Network, so that website I'm on there too. Um, also, in my spare time, I have a Twitch account so twitch.tv slash smart alec 24 that is my twitch uh channel i stream video games sometimes um and then yeah i think that's i think that covers where you can find me on the web so yeah and finally that's it folks that's alec baines from anxiously okay podcast thank you for being on the show alec hey thanks for having me i appreciate it no problem
can taste them. Tell me what you wanna 